Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 231. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we tense our shoulders and clench our butts as we anxiously await the end of 2020, which has been, by all official accounts, a fuckball of a year. Um, I'm your host, Nikki Farsad, and right up to this very end, I feel like we just keep getting bad news about everything, because 2020 is so committed to its brand, which I think is, at the end of the day, pretty admirable. Um, but guess what, 2020? You're no match for humanity, motherfucker. We're taking you down unfollow. So today we are going to talk about the year that was. We have a lot to say. So that's actually going to take up two full segments of our chatteriness. Uh, And we'll also start the show by talking about the race in Georgia. Um, That is a a real nail biter. In today's panel, we had a little hiccup um, with with, uh, one of the guests that we had booked. Uh, Everything is okay. Luckily, we just um, uh, we're just down one panelist. But don't worry, because the panelist we do have is enough panelists for like 12 panelists. Uh, he is my friend. He is a veteran of the U.S. Armed Forces, no big deal. Uh, you've seen his handiwork on many television things because he's fancy as a producer and a writer. Um, and he's just a fantastic comedian who we've seen delight audiences around the country and he's been on the show so many times you already know who i'm introducing it's benari lee poulton hey benari thank you so much for having me and, and what an honor that when you think of disasters horrible fuckballs of years you think of <laughs> me you're like oh well, this is a fuckball let's talk that's to what, benari that's what, <laughs> That's what me, me and Anita were like, who do we bring on to talk about a fuckball well, year? Who is a goddamn Benari. disaster? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get into it. Speaking of topic. fuckballs and disasters. <laughs> Speaking of fuckballs and disasters, let's get into it with the Georgia Center race and topic number one. All right, so topic number one is essentially a races to watch, which is a little segment about races, electoral races around the country, and not a segment about racists to watch, um, which is what everybody thinks I'm saying when I say that. 
racist to watch as a I think we've watched series. enough of we've the racist. Watched en- I, I think know, we've, we've watched enough. <laughs> yeah, racist to watch is a spin-off series known as The Undercurrent of American Life. So today, uh, we're going to talk about that Georgia race. It's a runoff election between um, uh, between both Senate seats because none of them got 50% in the November election. Um, so there was a, it triggered a runoff for January 5th, the election deadline. Um, and the early voting actually started this week. And apparently there was record turnout for the very first day of early voting. Really exciting. Um, and, I, you know, and this is this race, this the Senate, these Senate races are tense because uh, they will determine control <laughs> of the Senate. Um, so let's uh, let's. So the, the races are between David Perdue and John Ossoff and between Kelly Loeffler and um, Raphael Warnock. And so let's actually start. Benari, like, give us your like your greatest hits with the Purdue Ossoff race. What do you know about um, this race? I mean, I know that John Ossoff is a fantastic candidate, has been a fantastic candidate. It's been very tough in Georgia. Um, He's made a run of it before. Purdue and Leffler are historically terrible candidates. Um, Reverend (laughs) Warnock is also, I I know less about Reverend Warnock, um, but he's also fantastic. I've been watching um, them on the trail together. Uh, I've liked, you know, that they've been working in tandem. Um, But Purdue is as much of a piece of shit as you could possibly imagine uh, in in terms of insider trading, investigations, in terms of personal enrichment. Uh, You know, when he's briefed on things for uh, for the Senate to help his community, he instead lines his pockets and then votes no on on, you know, essential care. Right now, Republicans, including Leffler and uh, and Purdue are standing in the way of stimulus checks to people. I mean, this race is literally coming yeah. down to if you want a stimulus check, vote Democrat. If you don't want a stimulus check, vote Republican. That's what it's coming down to right now. So right. that's actually a really great way of framing it. That should be the campaign slogan. That's, for that's all you need to say. Do you want to really do you wanna, all you need to do say? Do you want to check? And, I, and it's funny. I, rem- I mean, I think the, the Purdue news about his questionable stock trades came out a little bit early in the pandemic. So I feel like we've sort of forgotten. But let us re-remember on this on this of uh, 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 these holy days leading up to Christmas, the Purdue made a lot of money off of the pandemic because um, he was able to invest in companies. He had prior knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, he invested in a company called BWX Technologies that manufactured Navy submarines, um, Navy submarine parts right around the time he became head of the Senate Armed Services Subcommittee on Sea Power. So there's a couple of instances, not just even pandemic related, where he uses his position in the Senate to enrich himself. I just want to point out he's already very rich. So how much more does he want? You know, but anyway, well, that's he's got a lot me. of competition. He's got a lot of competition because Leffler's husband literally owns the stock market. Well, also, she is. <laughs> and this is a fun fact. Um, Leffler is the, the wealthiest person in the Senate, which doesn't mean she doesn't care, although it all kind of does. <laughs> Feels <laughs> like instance, she doesn't. She really needs to work against the wealthiest person in the Senate. Um, <laughs> the other hilarious thing is, I think uh, one of the things that came out yesterday, and we're, we're taping this on Wednesday this week, uh, was that the the Leffler and Purdue races were, uh, um, you know, made a big fuss over some sort of documentation that they said was not available to them or whatever by um, by the state. Department of Georgia um, and the poor guy, what's his name? The one who had to certify the race and all that. Um, uh, Governor Kemp. And then, yeah, that guy uh, who whatever is being credited for saving democracy <laughs> for like um, he he had come out and said, actually, um, I don't, you have already access to the information that you're accusing us of not having access to. So they're trying to, again, create the this smoke screen, this, you know, of the, the race is being stolen when they actually already have access to that information. Well, this, this brings up such a, a, I think, an important point. One, the record number of turnout. You know, for years we're being told people don't want to be actively engaged, don't want to be civically engaged. And for years, what we're finding out now is that vast, 
you know, swaths of the population have been actively uh, forced out of the process or have been prevented from from actively taking part in it. And in the pandemic, we've made it as easy as possible for people to vote. And lo and behold, people are voting, you know, when they have the opportunity, when they have the chance, yeah. when we make it easy for them to vote, you know, they're voting. But secondly, the interesting thing is that for years, this has been a system that's been stacked in favor of one political party, especially in Georgia. We've seen this with uh, with the governor, even the, the secretary of state, and this sort of narrative of like, oh, you didn't give us the information or it wasn't available to us. They've had every opportunity. They've had every lever to pull at their disposal. And now Republicans are struggling. And in states like Georgia, they're, they're struggling in a fair fight. And I'm very, I'm always very wary of these, you know, groups that have been in power, maintain power, and are currently in power, complaining about not being in power. Yeah, um, and and the other thing that uh, this, I feel like a lot of the stories coming out about um, Purdue and Leffler, and I, and again, and there's very wealthy Democrats. Um, Absolutely, Nancy Pelosi is a very wealthy Democrat, for example. Um, Joe Biden is a very wealthy Democrat. Uh, and so I, I think one thing that's really coming out about all of this is that we really like, for example, the one of the latest scandals of this week is that Leffler has a mansion that was valued that she bought for $10 million. She did a hun- several hundred thousand dollars of improvements to the mansion because you're not going to just sit around with that crown molding. You know, you got to change it. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, she did several hundred thousand dollars of improvements. She got a reassessment on her property and it's and the valuation came down six million dollars, which means that her tax liability has been reduced. Um, so she is really interested in um you know, is cutting taxes uh, for herself primarily. Um, but, uh, you know, at least she knows how to do that. Um, and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, I think when we're dealing with people of such considerable wealth, especially in the Senate, I do think that all of this money should be in a blind trust. If you're going to be in the set, let's just not have this be a fucking issue. Let's well, I don't think senators. I don't think senators on the Sea Power Subcommittee of the Navy, you know, and and that he and that he and that he can do, and that there might even even if he wasn't doing insider trading, that there might be the appearance of it. Let's not have that be an issue. Look, they shouldn't be allowed to own. And trade stocks. I mean, that should be a trade-off. If you want to go into public service and be someone as powerful as a senator who is going to be making decisions about how the laws that you create affect uh, the the community that you purportedly represent, then you shouldn't be able to uh, make money off of that. You shouldn't be able to vote on policy. And look, we're not going to. They're not going to recuse themselves from from these things. And it's technically legal. So you shouldn't. That should be the trade-off. You have to give up. You, you have to give up something. Yeah. You know, if you want to go into this, you, you already have a powerful position. You shouldn't also be allowed to legally, I guess, enrich yourselves. Um, and you and you should be accountable to people because look, there's a lot of people who get hurt by this, and they don't they don't care. It doesn't affect them. It doesn't it doesn't um, it doesn't make them angry enough to vote them out of power when people vote on tax bills. Right, and and I think. Um, um, I also just want to point out that uh, you mentioned that her husband is the CEO of the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. That's really insane. That's a tough one. And um, also that um, Purdue, for his part, didn't show up to the most recent debate that he was supposed to have with John Ossoff. So John Ossoff just sort of like was on stage with an empty podium. Um, I... I'm stunned by that. He also missed a bunch of the pandemic votes, uh, votes about um, pandemic recovery bills. Uh, He's not doing himself any favors. It just doesn't seem like he cares very deeply. I think it's a very weird not to show up to a debate, especially a debate that's this high profile, uh, a debate that's this high profile and a race that's so high profile. I mean, this is, you know, this is really incredible. Okay, so so Benari, let's just I want to close this off, though, by talking a little bit about Ossoff and Warnock themselves. Um, I didn't realize this. Ossoff interned for the beloved Georgia representative John Lewis. Um, Yes. And and he he spoke so eloquently about this, actually, that John Lewis would be looking down upon, um, you know, the that Ossoff and 
Reverend Warnock are running in tandem because John Lewis spoke so so beautifully about the connection between the Jewish and the black community, especially in Georgia. Right. And so, I mean, it was just this amazing, you know, if if we can, if Georgians can can get them elected to the Senate, it would be such a testament to the legacy of John Lewis. Right. Um, and, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, he was also a, a staffer and aide for Representative Hank Johnson for five years. And then he went on and got a master's degree at the London School of Economics. And he's a, a media guy. Um, so, you know, he's he's he, this this isn't his first rodeo, so to speak, in public service. Um, I want to <laughs> I want to also mention about Raphael Warnock, something weird, which is that like I so, so he's a pastor. He's the um, senior pastor at the iconic um, Ebenezer Baptist Church where Martin Luther King Jr. served um, and um where also uh, John Lewis was a prisoner. So they both have this like John Lewis connection. Um, and uh, I interestingly tried to like just find out more about, you know, more stuff about him. And every time, so I'm just Googling, right? I'm just doing your regular casual Googs. And every time I Googled, everything that came up about him was Kelly Leffler calling him a radical socialist um you know, a radical socialist, which in their in their debate that happened last week was her common refrain, which is to continually call him a radical socialist, radical socialist, Raphael Warnock, radical socialist, Raphael Warnock. Um, what, uh, you know, what, what do you think of Warnock and um, and, and Leffler's main talking point about him? Well, I think that there's that the Republicans right now are sticking to a strategy of just continue calling them socialists um, because whatever polling they show seems to work, but it's also all they've got left. She has no record to speak of that helps Georgians. She has no, uh, she was never actually elected to her position as a senator. So she's an unelected multi-mega billionaire whose husband literally owns the stock market. She has nothing else to run on to. and, And meanwhile, Reverend Warnock is of the community. He serves the community already. This is a man who's already dedicated himself to a type of public right. service and 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 obviously cares about how his community's doing, not how his mansions are doing and how his tax bracket is doing. And I think that in the end um it's it's very, it's it's disconcerting to see that the races are even this close. And and also, I just want to point out, yeah, the, the polls have them like a pretty dead even race. Also, the polls are inaccurate and horrible. So who knows? Although apparently the polls in Georgia were like a little bit more um, close to uh, actual November 5th results, November 3rd results. So, you know. But what we're dealing with is what we're dealing with is tribalism, basically. It's now come down to. Uh, are you team red or are you team blue? And right now, team blue has made extraordinary strides in Georgia to overcome um, what seemed like insurmountable odds just a few right. years ago. Uh, the last Democratic senator to be elected was Max Cleland. And we saw what not just on the national stage, but what Georgia did to to smear his reputation, you know, as a as a as a wounded combat veteran. He was he was painted as some sort of hippie socialist, uh, uh, communist terrorist. Right. I mean, not you know, not even an exaggeration. That's that's and that was Max Cleland, a Vietnam War hero who lost limbs in service to his country. So that's the last <laughs> sort of statewide um, uh, a Democrat who was yeah. who was elected in Georgia, and uh, before Joe Biden was just elected. Uh, in Georgia, uh, Bill Clinton in ninety in, in the mid nineties was the last Democrat to be to be elected. So there's been a lot of work that needs to be done. We can't forget that the governor of Georgia is still a Republican, that the the Secretary of State is still a Republican, that the state itself still Means, leans yeah. Republican, and that the Republicans still control the mechanisms of mm-hmm. voting. So again, I, I know I've said that, it before. Can it, those mechanisms of voting just be <laughs> non? partisan why do secretaries well, they why do secretaries of state that are appointed at the um, pleasure of partisan governors control it i don't understand this crazy 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 decision that was made in so many states now there are some states that do the, the nonpartisan um com- yeah 
But that's to keep them in power. That's because you're looking at people who don't think they can maintain power. Look, people, this is the problem that Democrats have been facing. And and let's just say Democrats would also have a hard time if they're in power, giving up that power to a nonpartisan group. For years, it was a handshake deal between the two parties of we'll take care of our states, you take care of your states, and that's how we'll we'll do business. But now what we're seeing, you know, more and more is that Republicans are fighting to stay in power and win elections. And Democrats are fighting to lose elections fairly. That's that's their big ask. (laughs) Like, look, (laughs) we're probably going to lose this one, but we want to do it fairly. Okay. Well, um, but I have I have hope I have hope that um, if you know from what I've seen from the enthusiasm that um, there's a good shot. Let's not get there's our a hopes. good shot at this, and I I want it. There's a good shot at. Let's not get our hopes up. And also, let's just like play it out. I think any therapist would say, let's play out the worst scenario. The worst yeah. scenario is they both lose. The Senate is continued, right. continually um, controlled by Republicans. Mitch McConnell is still the dude who won't let anything come to a, up for a vote. And in that situation, we then work with reasonable Republicans to try and get the right. majorities that we need because the margin is still going to be really fucking slim, right? Yeah. And then Joe Biden just makes a really big push to get a couple of uh, Republican senators to join his cabinet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We flip the Senate that way. That makes perfect sense. (laughs) Because that's how democracy should work. work. Right. Um, Oh, my gosh. Okay, but again, I I think let us be hopeful in either circumstance. Let us be hopeful. And if you want to be involved um, in the Georgia race, it's awkward. I find it awkward telling people to be involved in the Georgia race because it is a statewide race. And so Georgians want to be involved. And I think the yes. uh, some of the attention nationally is unwelcome, right? Um, yes, absolutely. It, it actually does more harm than good because it's a lot of out-of-towners coming in, telling them what to do in their state. I think we need to give them our support yeah, from a distance, yeah. but let them run their elections. And this is why people like Stacey Abrams are so, critical, are so essential. Right? And, there's, and there's a Stacey Abrams in every state kind of waiting exactly. to do that job. So let's exactly. support that. And so, if you want to support um, Abrams here, you go to Fair Fight, you go to New Georgia Project, and you see what you can do uh, without being too pushy about your with your outsider position. That's right. And whatever we, we take away from this race, we use the lessons for the next one and the next one after that. And hopefully we just keep moving forward and keep progressing and keep making uh, strides and making things better and work toward uh, an end goal that is that is the best case scenario for everyone. Lollipops for everyone in America, as I <laughs> assume what you mean. Um, okay, let's uh, take a quick break and learn about our sponsors. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about other stuff. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that 
track tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And we are back and we're ready for topic number two, which is, by the way, also topic number three. It's such a mega topic. This is the last show we're recording before our Christmas episode, which is some delightful conversations from the vault. Um, and so this was our, our big opportunity to talk about 2020, the fuckball year that gave us the fuckball pandemic. And what and, and and just everything, our thoughts about it, um, what is it leaving us with? Um, I guess let me just start with um uh, with with sort of the phases <laughs> of this year first, right? Because I think the be the beginning was so wildly different than where we are now. Um and, and I'll say the first phase was the pre-pandemic phase where we just thought it was gonna be a year. <laughs> is there anything notable for you about that first phase anything personal any, anything national anything you uh, want to talk about that first phase where you were living in ignorant bliss well i mean that first phase started off with we almost went to nuclear war with iran <laughs> like <laughs> guys remember that remember also we assassinated um Qasem Soleimani yeah. of iran and then that yeah was so gonna, yeah and there, and then, and then we they bombed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was so. Yeah, so there, there was retaliation. Right. There was bombs. We were going to be on the verge of World War Three, and that was like day two of January. And in the midst of that, they <laughs> yeah. were they were in the process of the impeachment process. They, they impeached the president. Oh, impeachment. They had impeached the president of the United States, and then it was going to the Senate. And uh, he definitely didn't assassinate a foreign uh, <laughs> military leader and and almost start a war <laughs> to divert attention away from from that uh, from his impeachment. Um, that this is just like the first. That's like the. And that by the way, the I don't start. even think that that's. Wait, so we I, were... I think the, uh, 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 Prince Harry and and Meghan left. 
they left. They oh, just they gave up being a prince and princess. They just left. <laughs> and everyone was like, you can just leave the royal family. Again, we're like two days into 2020. And it's like, you can just leave the royal family? Unheard of. Unheard of. <laughs> um, you know, and it's funny because I think for me, I thought that that 2020 was sort of going to be, it It had this momentous feeling a little bit of like, we're starting a new decade. You know what I mean? Like, what's it going to be? And, um, and that it was going to be the year that we got Trump out of office, that it was right. going to be about a, this new beginning. Right. And it's, Still is about that, but the but you know in that first quarter um, really set us up for the for that essentially of like there's it's still shenanigans it's still it's being in in this under this administration feels heinous it feels unstable all the time and just interesting like little side note I was working with moveon.org about all of the Iran stuff because again yeah. it's hard to remember but the Iran stuff was escalating so much um, and. Uh, we the day a, a few days before there was a lockdown in New York, I went to um, a studio because me and Move On were gonna, working together on a video, and I was going to go, um, you know, be in this video. So we went to the to the studio, and the studio, like the people at the studio, were sort of like, "Hey, I guess use this hand sanitizer." <laughs> it was like, er, it was like. Oh, early yeah. days and nobody knew how to deal with it right so they were everyone was just like there may be a protocol like nobody knew how serious to take it right there was still no official word from the top so i'm in the studio we shoot this thing everyone's like uh, see you later the studio may close we don't know bye and then that video never came out because <laughs> then the pandemic subsumed everything and then the iran escalation i mean i guess nice side effect of the, of the pandemic is that the iran escalation was suddenly yeah thwarted. like yeah the it, yeah, it de-escalated tensions with Iran. Um, it stopped school shootings because no one was in oh, school, nice. so that was nice. Oh, look at us um, finding a couple of nice That was a good things. thing. But I, I've just one of the things that I've just realized is that we started also 2020 with the just heated Democratic oh. primary and Democrats just Yay. eating themselves. And, and there were already too many candidates. And then more people decided, like, I'm going to jump in. And then Mike Bloomberg's like, I'm going to show up to a debate unprepared. Sure, <laughs> that can't go poorly. And just crazy shit was happening on the political side of things when we had Again, trying to get the, the the most abusive, tyrannical monster that had held office in the White House out of office, trying to get him out of office, and Democrats were falling over themselves to like lose. <laughs> they just were, you know, they were just like, like, no, 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 I, you know, I could be a worse candidate. And as it winnowed down, you know, the again, some of the smartest candidates, and I will say this, Kamala Harris, first one to be like, you know what? Long yeah, game here. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. yeah. Uh, I, I, we we got we to take this seriously because this is about to go sideways real fast. And what I realized is no one was excited about Joe yeah. Biden. But Joe Biden felt yes. inevitable when he when he announced that he was going to be in the race. He was he was calm. He was steady. He he was a bit of a throwback. Mm-hmm. Uh and, but also was someone who had who you could see, well, we can move forward with Joe. Just, you know, it's just going to be at sort of that that tortoise in the you know, we're not doing a tortoise in the hair race, but he he's he's the slow and steady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, it wasn't it wasn't excitement, but you knew what you were yeah. getting with Joe. And everyone else, there was like excitement around yes. Elizabeth Warren. Boom, we're going to make big structural changes. This is the time to do it. And at the end, what we winnowed down was the most 2020 of candidates, which is just like your best case scenario right now with how fucked up things are is going to be Joe Biden. Like, that's it. That's 2022 is like with the pandemic. The best case scenario right here is we're going to get deaths down to like a thousand a day. <laughs> like, that's where we're at. <laughs> like, <laughs> because we fucked so up things badly. so yeah, badly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to like really lower this bar and just take the wins where we can get them. And, and now like, we're, you know, we got a guy who who really represents like yeah, this is we got out we I mean, got out alive and we're gonna come right. through this. And I think 
but you know the but the pandemic utterly destroyed the primaries in a way that was yeah. so i mean obviously unexpected and i just i want to <laughs> little personal note again is that when i found out that elizabeth warren was dropping out of the race we were taping. We were taping an episode of Fake the Nation, mm. and we had with us um, uh, Weston Womp, who's a Republican out of, um, I think he's based in, mm -hmm. in Nashville, maybe? Or no, uh, I can't remember. Sorry. Um, and uh, he's he was actually a really delightful guy, and I cried in front of a Republican mm. because Elizabeth Warren dropped out of the race, but I, I was so overcome, and I just, it was a primary race that for some people were like, you know, if people had their clear favorites and it was so emotional, mm -hmm. right? And then when you lost your yeah. favorite, it was like, um, and it, but I think it, but I think it was like people tripping over themselves on how to lose, but it was also a really great selection, you know? Like we had the Look, most diverse group of candidates. Yeah. And Bill de Blasio. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, at one time, at one point, there were more billionaires in the Democratic primary than there were. Right. And that was and that was <laughs> the, the winnowing down of the of that really tremendous. It felt anti. It felt anti progressive. Right. The, the way it winnowed down was very sad. Um, but the original slate, we had Julian Castro on this show. I mean, we had remarkable people running. And yeah. I thought, and, and that sort of just gave me general hope. Like, you don't necessarily get what you want on try number one. But to me, this no. was a reset. This was try number, this was the first try of the Democratic Party being like, and now we do it the way it looks for, like, America. Now we present people that look like America. And... I also honestly believe this too. Joe Biden, I, I love Joe. And again, you know, I, I just was knocking. There was no excitement for him. There was no excitement because, you know, he's a white entity. guy who's yeah, been yeah, there yeah, for, sure. who's, who's been there forever. But what he brings to the table is knowing how to get us to that point yeah. of diversity. He knows right. how to surround himself with good, competent people who look like America because he's a guy he, who's self-aware. Yeah, the judge is now going to be on his on his yeah. cabinet, and that's historic, right? We've never had an openly gay yes. cabinet member, so he's breaking no. those records all over the place, and he's so self-aware about it, and it's great. And because he's been there, he's not he's not making a bullshit appeal to our better angels as much as as much as his speech to say, "Hey, we all need to come together." He's also a guy who's been there and knows how it's done. He's like, look, this is only going to get done if we do it this way. I've been right, around the right, block. Right. I know these people. I know how to deal with them. I know what we're up against. And if we want to get from A to B, right. this well, is Well, it's funny it. because Mitch McConnell, <laughs> one of the things that he said about Joe Biden, I think in his book or in an interview or something, he said that um, <laughs> like – like Obama wanted to have conversations about the issues, but Biden was yeah. never, never tried to change his mind. Like there, he, Biden's not trying to be like, listen, you should support taxing the wealthy because of the following moral reason. Like Biden was like, I know I'm no. not going to change your mind. Let's talk about what we're, what right. we can get to. Like, and that's exactly. the thing that's politicking. That's what we want. I think even though it's yep. not, it's, 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 I mean, I think of myself as a practical progressive. You know, mm -hmm. a PP and a PP, mm -hmm. a urination. And I um, I think of myself as someone who understands that that has to happen behind closed doors. It right. has to be conversations with Mitch McConnell that are just like yep. really fucking technical. Yeah. And it's going to be like this. Um, hey, Mitch, I know you hate poor people, so I'm not going to try and change your mind yeah. on that. But here's, <laughs> here's what, what I, I want. want. What do you but here's what I want. So what, what do you want so that I can help? poor Right. People? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. That's what it is. OK, so let's do So we so let's move on from that to the actual pandemic, <laughs> which is funny because I really don't even want to talk about. But like I do. Um, it's so. So this pandemic happens. What is. What is the first sort of thing you gleaned about the American public when it comes to something <laughs> of a, a tragedy of this nature, an ongoing crisis of this nature? You know, the first thing that really struck me was how every zombie movie and every <laughs> post-apocalyptic movie that I had ever seen was so fucking wrong about how much 
uh, the stores would still be stocked post-apocalypse. <laughs> um, everyone bought toilet paper immediately. Like, they just mm-hmm. went to their worst hoarding nature yeah. of just like, well, I don't want, like, I better have all the toilet paper. You know, like two guys had the toilet paper for like five months. <laughs> and Wait, I was like, and why? Wasn't there, one, why? Wasn't there, there's all those stories in the beginning about the dudes who bought up all of the hand sanitizer yeah. and they were trying to what resell them. What are you doing? Them. Like, come on. I yeah. Know. I mean, come on, man. You know, so, my, you know, the thing that struck me was the initial response was just abject selfishness. But in response to that, it it really forced everyone else in the community to come together and really treat each other as neighbors and as family and friends and take care of each other. And you saw the communities. What you really saw across America was what each community prioritized. Right. And so there were communities that prioritized safety and responsibility and personal responsibility to help the community. And then there were communities who were like, that's not important to me. My freedom uh, to go out and cough on people is more important than your right to live. And, you know, what we really saw was that we could see in real time the difference. We could see in real time how that affected not just from a health standpoint, but from a psychological standpoint. Yeah. And one thing that that made me optimistic was the 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 worse things got the the more people were sort of forced into taking care of one another and it's a terrible way to do it but it was it is still nice to see people taking care of other yeah. people and to put the the to put other people first and to really treat each other like we're all in this together and so and i think you know and that's just what, like that's my a couple hope. of like rosy you know, moments that really brought that mm-hmm. to life just symbolically was the 7 p.m. cheer. I don't know how many other places it. did it, but in New York City, the 7 p.m. cheer was very serious. It happened every night at 7 p.m. through the, for a couple of months in those early days where things were so acute. Um, and we all leaned out of our windows. We went onto our balconies. We went onto our rooftops and we cheered. You know, we yeah. just cheered. And it was just this this recognition of healthcare workers and essential workers who were continuing to make society run while mm-hmm. we stayed at home um, to do our part. And it was... Um, I, I just, I lived for it. 7 p.m. I was out there. I just loved it, you know, and I, 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 I'd wave to neighbors across the street. I'd wave to the neighbors above me. You know, we had, we had chats between buildings. And I think, and that's that, mo- that's the thing where you're like, we are all in this together. Now, let me tell you a little something that I learned about myself, Banari, um, in the process of this pandemic. I learned that one of my roles as a citizen is as a citizen is to eat at restaurants. That's what I learned about uh, myself. I'm not look, I'm not out that's here. That's how you support that's the community. Support that's the how community. you you put dollars my into the local economy. Is to go to restaurants, guys. That is my job is to buy is to buy takeout, is to eat out at restaurants and to enjoy ambiance. Um that's one of my jobs. I take it very seriously and I and I am doubling down on that job. I think I'm really well suited. I feel like I've excelled. Um, um, and so, you know, when everyone was out, you know, making bread, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, I'm still, <laughs> still supporting, you know, um, obviously, I'm lucky enough to be able to to buy some of these meals outside. Um, but uh, the the to me, I was just like. We need to um, support this critical restaurant around the country. I mean, and New York has like 95 percent of the restaurants in America. <laughs> like, There's so many, right. you know, and um, and so and also I just again, I mean, people have heard me talk about shopping local and stuff like that. But I I feel like I have always viewed uh, local um, business as as a backbone of the community. Um, and as people that I see as human beings, and then the and the pandemic and the measures that small businesses had to take to make the, the yeah. to create protocols in their stores and whatnot. I mean, these are just people like you and me who are trying to figure out how to keep a business open and keep food on the plates of their children um, during a pandemic. And it just it really brought it home for me that you need to spend your money where 
where your heart is, you know? And is your heart in Amazon's, in in Jeff Bezos' wallet? I don't think it is. It it isn't, you know? So so it really made me, and I'm I'm sure annoyingly evangelical on this issue, (laughs) and and listeners have heard me um, talk about it, but is there something uh, like that in your personal life that came up for you? Um, you know, what, what, what I really appreciated, and I saw this, uh, on the local level was just the small acts of kindness mm-hmm. that people were mm-hmm. doing that, um, the people in my circle who were, you know, who had more or were doing okay, it went out of their way to help others, whether it was deliveries for people who just couldn't leave, whether yeah. they were, um, whether they had, uh, an, an, immunodeficiency or they were elderly just going out okay i'll i'll do deliver i i go to the supermarket i'll pick stuff up for you drop it off uh that type of thing delivering supplies to people getting involved with local food banks um and you know to me you know there was it was also just nice to see goodness in action and and not just in a performative way in an actual real tangible way and i think this is sort of what you were saying too with you know, spending money where your heart is, you, you know, the, <laughs> I, I always come back to the Beatles. Um, you know, in the end, uh-huh. the, the, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Oh, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, you, you get what you put in and, and everything that I've ever been involved with, I found that to be true. You're, you're, if you put good things into your life, if you put, if you invest time and energy into bettering your community, you get a better community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you, when, when you spend time in investing in safety and, and, and kindness, you get safety and kindness in right. return. And so, you know, being able to see that in action has, has, uh, I, I don't know, maybe that's a little uh, lofty or, or, uh, high minded or pompous, but it, it, witnessing that gave me some perspective and you know, some days are really hard to get through. Yeah. And on those days that it's hard to get through, I was, I just reminded myself of that, 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 you know, whatever you're going through, someone else might be going through something rougher. And if you can help someone, if you can do something good and, and, and do something positive that day, you, that's, that's the reward. The positive thing is the reward. Yeah. Um, I, okay. And let's just say something, like dumb about uh, the <laughs> pandemic or like how we um spent our time or um i i'll um you know um i i, I it, let me tr- let me try and think here because i don't actually have one <laughs> ready to go i can i can live off of turkey sandwiches <laughs> i mean that's what i've i've learned i could eat a turkey sandwich for lunch every day till the end of time apparently <laughs> i learned um that like it's weird i got to that point where i was like dreaming about this is so ridiculous dreaming about like various regional airports i would have been traveling to to do comedy shows <laughs> <laughs> i literally had little mental and daydreams of just like oh but like what about the charlottesville regional airport in virginia you know what i mean like just like oh it's i and i would have gotten like a cinnabon maybe and i would have told myself no you shouldn't get that cinnabon but then i would have gotten it anyway like i these these things that were that are so that's, dumb about my previous life are actually things that's that so I funny really that you say miss. that though because <laughs> because I tra- I travel as well yeah. so much so I have like lounge access in the yeah, airports and lounge that. access yeah, when yeah. I'm like an elite member right. in whatever loyalty <laughs> yeah. club for the hotels that I stay yes. at and I love love hotel and airport oh, lounges. I, I love going to those fucking places. I like getting like, oh, yes. Oh, I'll take a free beer. Absolutely. Oh, a buffet. Yeah. Don't mind if I do. You I'm- know, absolutely. <laughs> and I, th- I think um, the other thing that I realized that I missed is um, that's so stupid is the, is the commute. Like I love going <laughs> on the subway and there's a, there's, there's a few reasons why I love going on the subway. One is you get like, you know, you got to go from uh, the East Village to Midtown. It takes about 15 minutes. And in those 15 minutes, you don't have to do anything else. Those 15 no. minutes are like 
Those are yours. yours. You can just stare at people, like observe what they're reading, what they're doing, what they're wearing. I mean, that I Mm -hmm. feel like I got some great ideas just by being around my fellow New Yorkers on the subway. Um, that you they're your time it's your time and i feel like the absence of like that time of just mindless going from one place mm-hmm. to another yeah. it's a brain reset i didn't know how much yeah. i needed it i need that that's when i would catch up on my friend's podcast that i swore i listened to and didn't have time for <laughs> like oh yeah that's is it named that's... is it named schmake the schmation <laughs> no that's always on my playlist but there's a million oh, there's other so I, many Benari, I, I, between me and so you we know all of the podcasts there's so many it's podcasts horrendous. there's so many podcasts and now everyone's doing podcasts and i don't know when they have time I to know, listen because to the it's podcast. Always, yeah, it's the commute. I'm always on a podcast. Um, so, yeah. So I, I love that I, I, I kind of, I think it's funny that I le- learned these little things about myself and that they're the little things that have sort of made me tick without me realizing it, right? Like going to, right. um, you know, the Sheboygan Regional Airport made me tick and I don't, you know, um, and, and, and the absence of that going on the subway, like being on a, on a subway platform, like walking into random lobbies of buildings, all of those things sort of gave me mental and and physical stimulation. And without them, I have become a shell of a human being. Uh, You know, I also, and I hate that I'm saying this, but I miss comedy shows for one specific reason. Um, I would run into people that I hadn't thought of or thought to reach out to. And then I would see them and I'd be so happy that I saw them. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, oh, yo, you're here. What are you doing in town? Or yes. like, how do we end up on the same yes. circuit? Or, oh, you're on this show. Just that, that moment of surprise when someone you know and like and haven't seen yeah. forever ends up on the show yeah, with you and you're just really great feeling. that I miss that little yeah, moment yeah I really really miss that um you know and then they remind you that you're like oh I haven't talked to you because you're a fucking asshole <laughs> but, but the moment before you find that out well, you <laughs> remember that's the moment I remember hearing a thing on Freakonomics about gossip apparently gossip even if it's is is viewed as a bad negative thing or whatever but it actually makes us feel better when we're in the process of gossiping because i don't know i think it kind of reinforces your connection to community i don't actually remember look up this episode of freakonomics it was really great but um but there's something about gossip that isn't actually a negative that like for you to run for uh, for me and you to run into each other and then talk shit about another comic which yeah. i'm not saying ever happens would never happen um, would never happen but that definitely but, definitely never but there is something about that that reinforces community reinforce you know and i I think that is something that we all miss because we're all not running into the people that we normally would have run into. Well, look, and we're social beings. You know, people aren't meant to be isolated yeah. for for an extended period of yeah. time in such dire circumstances. I will say um, combat deployments have prepared me very well for uh, lockdowns in a pandemic. Um, I am very, I am uh, <laughs> apparently very uh, adaptable when it comes to just <laughs> staying right. in and, you know, getting my essentials and knowing what I need right, and what I can, right. what I need to sustain and, you know, what's, uh, you know, wh- wh- when, when to go out to get more yeah. stuff, like when the mission, you know, when it's mission essential and, yeah. and mission readiness and all that sort of stuff. So I guess that's one good thing that combat prepared me for a pandemic, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you've seen some shit, so you know. So I, I think I think anyone who's seen shit as as I think better able to weather this pandemic. Um, and I want to close on. We saw the first vaccine this week in the United States. We saw the first vaccine last week in the UK, um, and um, it was it was a it was a uh, a black nurse in Queens, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I thought it was great. Went to a nurse. I mean, it was just very symbolic. The whole thing. Um, it made me really emotional. There was cl- clapping, you know what I mean? Uh, there's footage of like the vaccine leaving, you know, the warehouse uh, in, I don't remember what, in Michigan, I think. And um, what what are you um, feeling good about for 2021? I am actually feeling very good about a Joe Biden administration for um, a number of reasons, but I am actually looking forward to um, 
boring competency. I am very much looking forward to just the day-to-day bureaucracy of keeping things running and and doing the necessary boring things it takes to uh, to to keep people uh, safe and protected and get them the things that they need. And I'm very much looking forward to people in the positions uh, who know what they're doing getting to do what they're good at. So I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to... Um, I'm, I'm, I'm basically, yeah, just looking forward to things working. That's what I'm looking forward to, <laughs> shit working again. That's, yeah, that's yeah, really, yeah. that's, I mean, I see the signs and I see things moving in that direction and I'm really just looking forward to getting back to shit working. Um, we, I, I, I agree. I re- I really like that. Just like basic competency. I'm really looking forward to basic <laughs> competency in 2021. I'm, I'm also, I'm also looking, you know, I think one of the things I say about, uh, about sort of like how you should spend your money on gifts and stuff like that is like spend it on an experience, um, because it gives you something to look forward to. And I am now officially entering the phase where I'm going to start looking forward to the many things that we are going to be able to do because of her immunity and because there's also a new test out that you can it's like a pregnancy test that you can have at home so there's going to be more even even more testing um and and we can start um you know thinking about how we may want to spend time with people um you know at some point in the middle of the year um and and that's exciting like get i think it's okay for us to start feeling excited like i one of my one of my daydreams is (laughs) fucking karaoke like i love karaoke i love karaoke it's the worst thing you can do it's like literally it's literally the one (laughs) thing you absolutely the first thing i do when i'm inoculated but like i really cannot wait you know to do that and i i'm not saying it's not gonna be the first thing i'm gonna do (laughs) (laughs) i know i but but like like I am I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to just, um, just like being with people. I'm, I'm looking forward to movie theaters. Like I really miss that experience. Yeah. And I think I'm. I think what I'm most excited about is the ability to look forward to it because I because there's competency at the top. I'm I'm confident that I am allowed to look forward to things. And I, I hope that we sort of all kind of get, get on board with that because it's been a really fucking tough year and, uh, and it's okay to have a little um, joyful hope. Yeah. I mean, joyful hope is great. And that's what this season is about. That's what new years are about. And I, I hope that we, we take all the things that we were um, thinking we're going to be positive about 2020 and we just uh, shift it a little a bit little over bit to over. 2021. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get a mulligan on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, 2021, that's our year. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be, be our the beginning year. of this the roaring 20s. Uh, I, I will say, the alcohol. especially as Americans, um, sometimes we know what the right thing to do is, but we don't, we don't want to do it. We, we just want to we want to keep our options open and just try try it the other way for for a little bit. Um, and uh, 2020 was us uh, trying the wrong way, you know. And I feel like we've learned, and now we can go do the right thing. Yeah. I feel like we're we're we've seen we've yeah. seen okay. Yeah. We, we we had our little we had our flirtation with fascism. We had uh, we had our flirtation with uh, with the with pandemics and everything breaking down and breaking the system. Now. Now, now we're ready to be kind to each other again. So, so hopefully, hopefully we are we are moving in that direction for 2021. That's a beautiful. Uh, that's that's exactly right, Benari. Uh, okay, so we're gonna actually end the show with a um, a little uh, tribute. But before we get there, Benari, I want uh, people to know where to find you. Where do they do that? As always, uh, people can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Benari Lee, B-E-N-A-R-I-L-E-E. I'll uh, let you know what I'm doing, what I'm up to, and uh, there'll probably be dick jokes. <laughs> uh, I would say certainly. There will certainly be dick jokes. <laughs> but the good kind. the go- Only the only the uh, best. As you know, I think that you should be following absolutely everything that Benari does. Um, I would like for the people of Fake the Nation to... Um, 
you know, you know where to find me and all that stuff. But what I would really love for you guys to do, there's a listener um, at Faith in the Nation that started a program of handing out uh, masks to people in Washington State and the, the Seattle area, I think specifically. Um, she, they've converted this into a, a book drive, and and they reached out to me. Um, you can go to washmasks.org/slash/heartofwashington. That's washmasks.org/slash/heartofwashington, and they're doing a big book drive for kids. Um, you know, in that in the Seattle area, in the Washington area, who need it. And um, we're talking about migrant kids, refugee kids. I mean, just kids who don't have access to books. And it's a virtual book drive. I've I've donated a book. They give you the a book. There's they're they're working with a bookstore in Seattle um, that you can order from the, a book from that bookstore, and then it all goes to Wash Masks, and they then um, make sure that that book gets into the hands of kids who need it. And um, I was really grateful to hear about this from uh, one of our listeners who's involved. So again, go to washmasks.org slash heart of Washington. Um, you know, books are a cheap way to bring some joy to a kid who doesn't have access to them. So uh, this is a great time of year. And if you don't make it by the Christmas deadline, it's okay because they are going to continue to the drive as long as there are books to donate to these kids who need it. So please, please do that. Um, and I would really like to thank the people who make this show possible. That's our wonderful producer, Anita Flores, our delightful audio engineer, Andy Christens, Gobby, Ultra Rotor, Theme Music, and Lily Fleshler helps with research. And listeners, you know we love to hear from you, so send us your feedback and topics we should be chatting about, guest ideas that you might have. Follow us on Stitcher or Spotify, subscribe on Apple and all of that. Um, Again, you can always email us at comments at fakethenation.com. Um, I wanted to end the show on um, a, 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 a sad occurrence, which is that our dear friend, Katie Lazarus, who was a, uh, a regular on Fake the Nation, you all heard her on Fake the Nation, you heard her... Um, in, in fact, on, a, on, a, on an episode with Benari that Benari was um, substitute hosting um, in January, I believe. And then uh, you heard her again in August on an episode with me and Bear Tunde. You've heard her um, throughout the years of Fake the Nation. Uh, she um, ha- uh, passed away um, She from... Um, uh, she had, had been battling cancer. Um, she'd been ca- battling cancer for quite a long time. Um, but and goddamn, did she not battle cancer in the most hilarious and fun way that a person could battle cancer? Um, because she's sort of like never let you feel it, <laughs> you know? And so I just thought it would be great um, since both Benari and I have known her for so, so many years. Um, Benari. Well, I mean, uh, I began this year with Katie in person on Fake the Nation um, and, uh, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't have asked for a more exuberant um intelligent and funny, uh, bright light to begin the, the year with. Uh, and I've, I've known Kate, Katie was absolutely one of the first comedians that I met when I moved to New York. She, she, I think I did a show at the duplex. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and Katie came in and Immediately, I didn't know who she was, or but she seemed to know no, everyone. She, yes, she yes. she kibitzed with everyone, <laughs> as we would say. She uh, everything. Then she we were talking, and it was like you know the the uh, um. I thought it would be easier if I could quote Muppets, but it's going to make it harder. Um, <laughs> There's a there's a, a phrase in one of the Muppet songs from the movie that there isn't a word yet for old friends you've just met. <laughs> yeah. And Katie Lazarus felt like one of those people. Yes. She was immediately an old friend. And even though we had just met, um, you know, you, you couldn't not be overtaken by the warmth and the generosity of her spirit. And... Um, yeah, just the the hilarity that she brought to her observations in a very casual way. She didn't have to work to make her observations funny. No. She had a uniquely hilarious way of seeing the world and explaining that worldview. And um she was delightful. I mean, she was she was she was a delight and and uh, I hope <clears throat> I hope that she knew 
how much she meant to all of us and um, and felt that warmth in return. Yeah, um, I, that, that's really beautiful. I, I love that she's exactly the friend, uh, an old friend that you just met. And I've, I've known her for, for many years. She actually dated a friend of mine. That's how I first heard of her. And my friend said, <laughs> I'm dating this girl. She's really funny. She's... um you know, she's like, she does comedy and interviews and blah, blah, blah. And, and I, and you know, the way you're like, hear about a new girl from a friend. And I'm always like, just 5% <laughs> suspicious. Like, okay, we'll see. You know what I mean? Like, and then, and then it turns out that she ended up being the, the friend I kept more in touch with and not, not the original guy she was dating. Um, and because she just has, I mean, she just sort of like was, you know, she just had knew everybody and then like, sort of like, kept in touch with everybody and was kind to everybody. And, um, and you sort of like never wanted, you know, you, you, that that's just, I'm not surprised that I ended up with her, you know, as opposed yeah. to the other guy. And, um, and, um, and I just want to say, you know, uh, I, I had the honor of being on her show and for p listeners who, who want to like a, a fun dose of Katie Lazarus, um, you can please check out her podcast employee of the month. She interviewed some of the fucking greats. Uh, she interviewed people like John Stewart and Gloria Steinem. And I mean, the list goes on. Like, it's just such an impressive, impressive, impressive list of people that she just sort of effortlessly, um, laughed with that she also made laugh right to see her make someone like yeah. Maya Rudolph laugh or whatever it's just like fantastic um, and and she you know she had a, a, a funeral service this morning that was uh, uh, live streamed and, and and hundreds of people were watching it of course yeah. because that's how many people she worked with cared about how many yeah. fans she had um, um, among her peers and so um, I am I'm, I'm just really really honored that she was a part of my life and um, and I hope that yeah that she knows and so we just wanted to play Oh, um, sorry, everybody. We just wanted to play a little clip um, from Katie from her time here on Fake the Nation. Um, and, um, and and Katie, thank you. Thank you for um, being with us. All right, Benari, thanks for joining me. <laughs> thanks for joining me. is a writer. She is a personality. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I think it's code for she's not attractive, but we really hope they're the best. <laughs> no, she's a very lovely woman. Um, she is host of the podcast Employee of the Month. Uh, you've seen her writing in the Atlantic and all the other fancy newspapers and magazines and papers and web papers. And she's just a great lady who's been on the show before and we're so glad to have her back you guys it's katie lazarus hey katie hello okay now that i feel that we have sufficiently introduced ourselves i'm totally for the record i don't think i would ever do that intro <laughs> but i appreciate <laughs> i appreciate the idea of it and it's reminding me back of a stand-up stand-up years it's when you, when so i know worst. where you're like uh what do i say i don't she's know a pretty lady and let's hope that she's funny <laughs> It is okay to encourage someone who happens to be white to listen, and myself included. And I am woke enough to know that I will be continually evolving no matter what I have done in my history and what I will continue to do. It is okay for me to take a step back, as in right now, and actually listen. Katie, you have the last because we're okay. running over and the overlords are mad. <laughs> Quick tip. I feel like if you put a mask on, which you need to be doing anyways, and you put sunglasses on, which you also need to be doing. No one can recognize you, whether you're unfamous like myself or otherwise. And therefore, you can cry in public. No one knows or cares. And then also, if you need to yell, because I do believe like grieving is an important thing to do. You can do that, too. It's not necessarily effective in getting more people to, you know, put their masks on properly. But but still, it does feel a little good in that moment. That's the end of the show. We'll we'll be back in your earballs next week. <laughs> <laughs> 